Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday stream at Flat Creek Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you've joined us today. Whether you're watching online or you are joining us on Glory FM 97.5, we are grateful for you being here today, and we look forward to well, worshiping morning. alongside of you this morning. It is good God to bless you, Flat Creek. and enjoy the stream. Sundays in a row that we get to open our service with baptism. Amen. Y'all can do better than that. Y'all say amen. Amen. Listen, it is always the greatest joy to be able to start our service with the ordinance of baptism. What a great way to celebrate what God is doing. Both of the individuals who are coming today are just living testimonies of the gospel's power to save even in our day. Amen. The gospel still has the power. I want y'all to give a big hand today to Mr. Billy Humphreys as he comes. Billy, come on. Now, this is Billy Humphreys. Uh, his aunt is sitting back three rows from the back, Miss Geraldine Holman. Many of y'all know Miss Geraldine. Love Geraldine. And if you know Geraldine, she's a prayer warrior. So I'm imagining, Billy, she's probably said a lot of prayers for you, my friend. And uh, listen, today we come. Billy has been attending Flat Creek for the last few weeks. And on Monday afternoon, I was sitting in my office, and the telephone rang, and it was Billy on the other end. And he said, Pastor, you've been preaching a lot on these things about being sanctified and living a holy life. And he said, man, I've just come under conviction. And I realized today I've never been saved, and I need to give my life to the Lord Jesus. And here he stands today to be baptized. Isn't that good news? Amen. So, Billy, you turn this way. Have you given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I have. Then it's my pleasure to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, y'all give a big welcome to Miss Ashley Barnett as she comes down. We love Ashley. And listen, it was about, about five, six weeks ago, Ashley was here on a Sunday morning. The gospel was proclaimed. And when the invitation was given, she walked the aisle. When she got down here to the front, she talked to me about her need to be saved. And at the time, Bella had not left to go on her mission yet. And so Bella was sitting there. And uh, Bella and Ashley went back in the back. And Bella, while she was still here, led Ashley to a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus. The reason I say that is because Bella's in Guatemala right now on mission. But you know what? She watches every Sunday. So y'all give Bella a big shout out. And also, also give Ashley a huge round of applause for giving her life to the Lord Jesus Christ as well. I'm going to turn this way. And Ashley, have you given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I have. Then it's my pleasure to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No greater way, Flat Creek, to start a service than that. Would you join me for a time in prayer? Father, we love you so much. And thank you, God, for the ordinance of baptism. Thank you, Lord, that the baptistry pool at Flat Creek Baptist Church is never dry. There's always more water because we always believe there's another soul that needs to be saved. And, Lord, there's an open invitation 
at the end of your word in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, it says, come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the living water and take of a drink. And we know that today that there are many people that may have come in these doors that spiritually they're thirsty. And today they need to give their life to Christ. And they too need to be baptized. We pray that even now your Holy Spirit will begin to do a mighty work in their lives that they might be redeemed and saved by the grace of Jesus today. We say these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Brother Caleb. Well, there we, there we are. Here we, are y'all ready to sing and worship? After all that baptism, that's the best you got. Are y'all ready to stand and worship a risen Savior? All right, let's do it. Holy is the Lord. Y'all sing with us.
know, we have a real privilege that we get to come before the Lord openly and willingly whenever we want to, but especially on a day like today with our church family. Are you not so excited to understand more deeply every Sunday how deep the Father's love is for us? Let's sing that together now before Pastor Zach comes shortly. How deep the Father's love for us. for your attendance here today at Flat Creek Baptist Church. And if you are joining us for the very first time, in the back of your pews, you're going to find a green connections card. If you could fill that out for us, and on your way out the double doors today, there's a connections desk there. If you could turn that in for us, we have a special gift for you. That's our way to come alongside of you in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So please... Uh, fill that out for us today. Uh, also, we are just looking forward to worshiping with you this morning, and we want to welcome our online and radio listening audience as well at this time. And Brother Caleb and the praise team are going to come back at this time and sing, I am a child of love. So if you'll stand to your feet and let's sing together again. Brother Caleb. Amen. 
interesting who you say I am. I'm sorry, that really threw me off there. <laughs> I don't think we can just whip that one out. I, so next week, though, we got you. <laughs> You may be seated.
Amen. Amen. Love our choir so much. Amen. Say it. So good. Listen, our children's church will be delivered. Uh, not delivered. <laughs> our children's church can be dismissed uh, at this time. Kindergarten through the fifth grade right here uh, behind the piano. So, so good. Amen. Amen. Go open your Bibles to today to the book of Romans, chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8. Maybe it's a good time to say that uh, you can join the choir if you would like. It's not too late. Uh, you can always join on Wednesday nights. They have practice at 7 o'clock. They're always looking for more people to get involved with choir. So please come and add more voices. Uh, today we're going to be in Romans chapter number 8, verse 14 through verse 17. Romans 8, verse 14 through verse 17. I want to bring a message to you today entitled, God's Most Glorious Doctrine. God's Most Glorious Doctrine. If you'd like to maybe subtitle a message, you might put a little subtitle over to the side that just says God's Most Glorious Work. You can put either one and it's okay because the effects are still the same. And I think by the time the day is over, you will agree with me that this is indeed a glorious, glorious portion of Scripture. Listen to what the Apostle Paul would write in Romans 8, beginning in verse number 14. He says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies himself with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. A few weeks ago, you and I began a journey together through the book of Romans, chapter number 8. As we began walking through Romans chapter number 8, I told you that I believe Romans 8 is the most glorious chapter in the entire Bible. For in this one chapter, we are told more about the Spirit-filled life and the walk of the believer than anywhere else in the New Testament. As we began walking through Romans chapter number 8, I highlighted for you what I believe is the most glorious verse in the entire New Testament. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. In a few weeks, we'll look at what I consider to be the gr most glorious doxology found in Scripture. As we look at Romans 8 verse 33 through verse 39, this is where we hear Paul close by saying, Who can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord? There's glory all over this chapter. But friends, there is still even more glory. In fact, what I believe is the most glorious of all Christian doctrines is found right here in Romans 8, 14 through 17, the doctrine of adoption. Now, one may be amazed to hear that I would say that one doctrine is more glorious than another. I mean, after all, 
For the past couple of weeks, we have covered considerable ground in the book of Romans, and we have certainly looked at some wonderful doctrines of Scripture. First of all, we talked about the doctrine of justification, that one-time declarative act of God whereby he pronounces a condemned sinner justified in his courtroom. Therefore, thereby imputing us with the righteousness of Christ. I mean, who could ever forget those glorious words from Romans chapter number 3, beginning in verse 20. It was such darkness as we came to it. We looked at our condemnation for weeks upon weeks upon weeks, and we get to that, that, that most dark passage of verse 20, chapter 3, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin, followed by that triumphant praise. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely as a gift, by his grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Friends, what wonderful assurance we gained as we learned about the imputation of righteousness in our justification. We are not saved by any meritorious works of our own. Instead, we are saved based on the merits of Christ. Amen. You're justified freely by his grace, through faith and faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the one who has faith that God's credits with righteousness. Therefore, we can say with King David, blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord will not take into account. Amen. Friends, the blessing of justification only got sweeter as we began to talk about the Holy Spirit's work in regeneration. This transformative work that's taking place in us. We learned and heard of the Holy Spirit first and foremost in Romans chapter 5 verse 5 where Paul says, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And where do we see the love of God demonstrated in its highest degree? Paul follows that verse with verse 6 through 8. For while we were still helpless, at the right moment, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you think about regeneration, you might think of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe it's more familiar to you. Remember that Jesus said you must be born Again, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit, the Lord Jesus said. He said, do not be surprised that I said you must be born again. Friends, if you are here today and you say you have been born again, there has been a transformation that's taken place. Amen. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. If you're here today and you say you're born again, but you've never been changed, you've never been transformed, you may not be saved. Wives who have lost husbands, 
If you've been praying for your husband and today he's born again, understand when you get home this afternoon, you'll have a new husband. Parents who have been praying for wayward sons and daughters, maybe they came today for the first time in a long time. Understand if they're born again here today, when you get home this afternoon, you'll have a new son, you'll have a new daughter. This is a regeneration. Friends, you could spend a lifetime plumbing the well of regeneration. And it's a spring that will never run dry. And if justification and regeneration weren't enough, we've been now diving into the depths of sanctification. This place where, where God, this work, this progressive work where God is conforming us and transforming us into the image of his Son, that we might be vessels set apart for his use and his glory. Remember, that's what sanctification's goal is. Sanctification's goal is our holiness and our future glorification. But I don't know about you, but as we have journeyed the last few weeks, I have found that sanctification is a hard doctrine. Amen. And the reason it's hard is because it confronts us in our sin and it demands our holiness. It teaches us that the one who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ cannot go on living in their former lust of their previous life. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, they must rid themselves of the things that once enslaved them. The work of the Holy Spirit is hard in sanctification because it's here that he chastens us in order to make us more Christ-like. Yet despite the difficulty and the pain and the hardship, it's well worth it. Because what does he say there in Romans chapter 8, verse number 17? If we suffer with him, we will also be glorified with him. He is refining us in the fire, out of the fire, that we might come out pure gold. His image seen clearly in us. These are the doctrines that have taken up our time as we've walked through the book of Romans. These are the doctrines that have consumed our thoughts and our energy. And who today could say one of those doctrines is more glorious than another? I mean, somebody today might raise their hand and say, well, pastor, I would say that justification is God's most glorious work. Because in justification, that's where we see the cross. That's where we see the shed blood. That's where we see the atonement. That's where we see Christ as our substitute. We see him as our sin bearer. We see him as our propitiation. Therefore, justification has to be his greatest work. And someone else might even raise their hand and say, well, justification is great, but, but let me remind you of the glory of sanctification or regeneration. And regeneration, this mystery, goes even deeper. How is it that God takes a dead sinner and raises him to walk in newness of life? How is it that God takes a mind that's carnal and dead and transforms it? And to a mind that is spirit-led, this has to be God's greatest work. Then somebody else might raise their hand and say, no, not justification, not regeneration. It has to be sanctification. For this is where God takes a defiled sinner and makes them holy. What could be greater than this? 
And I suppose an argument could be made for each. Christ's work in justification is simply beautiful. The Spirit's work in regeneration and sanctification is surely powerful. Friends, today we see the most glorious work of them all in adoption. Amen. The act of God whereby he makes us members of his family. So to what John MacArthur says on the doctrine of adoption, he says, the peculiar glory of adoption is in the superabundance of God's grace. In an extravagant expression of love, God adopts believers into his family so that we may relate to him not only as the giver of spiritual life and the provider of legal righteousness, but also as our loving and compassionate father. For this reason, adoption has rightly been designated the highest privilege that the gospel offers and the apex of grace and privilege that staggers the imagination because of its amazing condescension of love. For as you might think of 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, where John wrote and said, See how great a love the Father has for us, that we would be called the children of God. And just after John says those words, he inserts three words into the text. And we are. Exclamation point in 1 John chapter 3. Amen. An exclamatory comment. And we are his children. It's almost like John is saying this is too much to fathom. You and I, the, the very ones that Paul, across the book of Romans, has said is sinners and we're condemned and we're no good and we're separated from God. Adoption says you are now children of God. For is that shouting ground? Better yet, I would say it's solid ground. For imagine all of the blessings and all the assurance which accompany our adoption. It's more than we could ever think or imagine. You might think of how Paul says in 2 Corinthians, what eye has not seen nor his ear heard what God has prepared for those who love him. And we're going to talk about these amazing blessings in just a moment, but before we do, let me just tap into a dangerous heresy which raises its head in our culture and it needs to be combated before you can fully understand and comprehend the glory of your adoption. So it's this dangerous heresy that's all over the world and it's even infiltrated the church. It was highlighted in the 1990s by Michael Jackson. It might be the only time you ever hear me quote Michael Jackson, so get ready. <laughs> Michael Jackson, he wrote what became one of his most popular hits entitled, We Are the World. And some of y'all might remember this, We Are the World, and I'll remember the rest, but as far as I can get, Caleb. By the way, when I said Child of Love earlier, I really thought that was the name of the song. I'm so sorry. Uh, we Are the World. Uh, but in this song, this is what Michael Jackson said. He said, there comes a time when we hear a certain call, when the world must come together as one. There are people dying, and it's time to lend a hand, to lift the greatest gift of all. We can't go on pretending day by day that someone somewhere will soon make a change. We're all part of God's great big family, 
And the truth you know is that love is all we need. Now, everyone who's ever heard that song by Michael Jackson, they love to sing it because it's a catchy little tune. But all this song proves is that Michael Jackson and scores of people around the world know nothing of the truth of God's Word concerning who his sons and daughters are. Right. Did you hear what Michael Jackson said? He said, we're all part of God's great big family. My friends, this is heresy. I do not hear what I'm not saying. I'm not advocating this morning that one race is greater than another. I'm not advocating that, that some ethnicity is superior to another, nor am I advocating that one social class is more privileged than another. That's not what I'm advocating at all. As Christians, we're not racist, we're not ethnicist, and we're not elitist. But the idea that we are all God's children is not biblical. What does the Bible teach about this subject? Don't just take my word for it. You should always come back to Scripture and see what the Bible says. Amen. Are we all God's children? Well, go back in your Bible to John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. And I want us to look at verse 12 and verse 13. I want you to listen to what John says. But as many as received him. Let me say it again. But as many as received him, to them, you might want to underline there, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Do we all bear the image of God? Absolutely. But are we all children of God? Absolutely not. Who is the child of God? The one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. By contrast, those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are not the children of God, right. nor are they adopted into his family. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 calls the unbeliever a child of wrath a son of disobedience. And furthermore, Jesus, speaking to the religious Jews of his day who rejected him, told them, if you were of your father, you would love me. And he went on to say, you are of your father. And your father is the devil. And your will is to do what your father desires. Friends, this is not what the enemy wants you to know. You see, the enemy delights in convincing you that we are all God's children. You see, if he can convince you into believing that we are all God's children, he can cunningly manipulate you into believing that the gospel is not exclusive. If all are God's children, regardless of belief system, then guess what? Universalism is true, and in the end, we all go to heaven. Therefore, the cross of the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ is in vain. This is what the enemy wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that it doesn't matter what you believe. That all roads lead to the same destination. Friends, not everyone is a child of God. Only those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are adopted into his family. So keeping that in mind, I do want us now to approach this doctrine of adoption. 
And I want us to see what the marks of our adoption are. Because, friends, this is nothing short of glorious. So what will mark a son or daughter of God? Well, number one, a son or daughter of God will be spirit-led. They'll be spirit-led. What does it say there in chapter 8, verse 14? For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, you notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, for all who were Baptist are sons of God. Amen. And he also didn't say, for all who were pastors are sons of God. And he also didn't say, for all who go on mission trips or attend Sunday school or sit in the pew every Sunday morning, that these are the sons of God. He didn't say that. He said, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Friends, we have to be very cautious here. And we have to tread lightly because there have been many people who have suffered the shipwreck of their faith because they either followed someone who said they were led by the Spirit or they themselves got caught up in an emotional moment, this feeling that the Spirit was leading them, yet they ended up wrong. Yet because they were so convinced of the reality of what they believed in their heart, they suffered greatly because they took this verse out of context and used it for their own personal gain. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. The other day, Summer and I were watching 2020. Okay, don't judge me. We're watching 2020. Some of y'all must watch it too, amen? Uh, we're watching 2020. And, and, and it's, a, you know, it's the same old story. There's a guy, and he's got his wife, and the wife goes missing. They can't find her. And the man, of course, is the prime suspect. They're trying to find this woman, and this man, he's being interviewed on 2020. He's painting this picture. We have a great marriage. Everything is wonderful. We never fight. I mean, everything in our life is sunshine and roses. That's what he's painting the picture of. And when you know that they begin to dig in his cell phone records, and as normally happens, guess what they find? He's having an affair with his wife's best friend. <laughs> That's what got the reaction, really. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. Well, at least I know some of y'all are still with me, okay? Um, <laughs> some, you just can't make it up sometimes. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> I got to recover from that. Hold on. <laughs> As this story progresses as the story progresses here here's what the guy says he says well you know just because I'm having an affair doesn't mean that I did anything to my wife it doesn't mean that I led to her missing I mean after all God told me to have the affair and this is what he said the summer can vouch for this he said the other day I was out running and I had on my headphones and I was listening to this Christian rock band named Skillet they have this song that they sing entitled, One Day is Too Late. And the whole premise of the song is this. If you don't make the most of your opportunity today, then something may happen tomorrow and it'll be one day too late. He said, as I was running and I heard the lyrics of this song, the Holy Spirit, he said this on 2020 national television, the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart and told me that I married the wrong woman and that his desire was for my happiness. And if I waited another day to make a move, it would be one day too late. So I approached my wife's best friend and asked her to have an affair with me. Ladies, 
If a man comes to you today and says, I got my wife over here, but the Holy Spirit's telling me that we need to have an affair, you run as fast as you can because that is not of God. This man obviously did not hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yet there are so many people like him today. They are not spirit-filled, and because they're not spirit-filled, they do not have their mindset on the spirit, and because they don't have their mindset on the spirit, they make fleshly decisions in the name of the Holy Spirit, which is blasphemy. Friends, the Holy Spirit will not lead you to do anything outside of his word. He will not lead you to make emotional decisions. He will not take control of your body and lead you to disobedience. Nor will he ever do something that will take glory away from Christ. The key to understanding this verse is to look at the two previous verses, verse 12 and 13. We've been talking about them for weeks and all about holiness. Listen to what he says. Southern brethren, we are under obligation. We are indebted. You might remember that from last week. Not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if... You are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For, there's a conjunction here. This is a continual train of thought. You're not indebted to that way anymore. And because of that, and because you're walking by the Spirit, know this. All who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. What Paul is speaking on here is once again the mortification of the flesh. Friends, those who are Spirit-led are allowing the Spirit to kill the flesh. Those who are Spirit-led are actively walking, actively pursuing holiness. The Spirit will never, ever, 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 ever tell you to sin. Because sin is the opposite of everything he is. Amen. In other words, the evidence that we are children of God is that the Holy Spirit confirms his presence by leading us into a war with our sin. The children of God hate sin. The children of God have the values, the priorities, the preferences, and the taste of their heavenly Father. One writer said, those who are adopted into God's family are chips off the old block. The reason we share the traits of our Father is because we have His Spirit who leads us in this way. He gives us new taste. He gives us new preferences. He gives us new pleasures. He gives us new values. Those who are Spirit-led are actively pursuing holiness. These are the sons of God. I love what one writer said. He said, if you want to know if you're a child of God, don't put your ear to the Holy Spirit and wait for a whisper. Put your ear to the gospel and fix your eyes on the cross of Christ and pray that the Holy Spirit would enable you to see it and savor it for what it really is, the place where Jesus laid down his life for the sins of the world and as, son of, and as a son of God, the place where you were crucified with him. Can I just add here just a point of personal application? If you are spirit-led and you are walking into holiness, understand this. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you friends. It may cost you family. It's going to cost you saying no when everybody else is saying yes. 
Friends, it costs you to live counterculturally. It costs you to live a separated life. It will cost you to be a follower of Christ. But let me remind you, although it may cost you everything here, you will gain everything when your journey here is over. What did Paul say in Philippians 3, 7, and 8? But everything was a gain to me. I've counted a loss for the sake of Christ. And more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Friends, the adopted son or daughter of God will be, made no, will be known by the fact that they are spirit-led. Secondly, they'll be known because they are grace-filled. The adopted son or daughter will be known because they are grace-filled. Friends, this is where the doctrine of adoption begins to just get so glorious. What does he say in verse 15? For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. If you are here today and you're seeking and searching for the assurance of your salvation, you need to get a grip on the doctrine of adoption. Amen. Because if you, can, if you can get a grip on this, you'll walk out of here and you won't be like a ship tossed to and fro by the waves of the sea anymore because you'll realize just how secure you are in your Father's hand. Amen. You see, when you come to the text, you got to remember that, that, that it's written to a Jewish and a Roman audience. Now, to Jews, adoption was truly foreign. But to Romans, they, they did know of adoption. However, it wasn't common. As a matter of fact, when a child was born into a family in Roman times, the father of that family was considered to have parental rights and power over the child for as long as the child lived. Yet, there would often come times where there was a scenario where maybe there was a family that did not have a child. They did not have a son. Maybe there was a father who died and there was no one to carry on his lineage. So the Romans... They had a process by which a family with no child could actually adopt a child from another family. And it's the consequences of this adoption that, that the Roman audience that Paul's writing to, the consequences of this adoption that they would have understood and that you need to understand today if you really want to know the beauty of this doctrine. So when you think about adoption in Roman times, four things are true of the adopted person. Number one, the adopted person lost all rights in his old family and gained all the rights of a legitimate son in his new family. In the most legal and binding way, the adopted son or the adopted daughter got a new father. Number two, it followed that he became heir to his new father's estate. Even if other sons and other daughters were afterward born, it did not affect his rights. He was legally a co-heir with them. Number three, in law, the old life of the adopted person was completely wiped out. For instance, all of his debts were canceled. He was regarded as a brand new person entering into a life with which the past had nothing to do with. 
And number four, in the eyes of the law, he was the son of his new father. Now keep those four things in mind. We're going to come back in a moment. You see, what a glorious picture begins to come to light as we think about this concept of adoption and what it means to be a believer in Christ Jesus. You'll notice here that he says, we did not receive a, a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Now, this is directly related to Paul's writing in Romans 6, 14, where he said, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. You might remember Galatians 4, 3, when you were under the law, meaning you were trying to gain salvation by fulfilling the law's commands. You were held in bondage under the elemental things of this world. You see, friends, when we think about the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, Paul's speaking of the law. And when we're trying to live up to the law in order to gain righteousness, in order to be righteous in the courtroom of God, what does that lead to? It leads to constant fear. It leads to constant turmoil within because no matter how hard you try, the law will always condemn. You will live in constant fear that when your life is over, your righteousness might not be enough. Your good deeds may not outweigh your bad deeds. And so the law only condemns and always binds to slavery and always gives a spirit of fear. But in salvation, under grace, you haven't received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear again. Amen. Think of a child for just a moment who's an orphan. Maybe a child that's in the foster care system. Some of you maybe have lived this. But think of that child for a moment. Every day when that child wakes up, they're in a home. And they don't know if they're going to be in that same home tomorrow. And they don't know when they sit down to eat lunch if tomorrow they're going to be eating lunch at the same table. And they don't know when they lay down at night if tomorrow they're going to be in the same bed. And they don't know what home they're going to. They don't know where they might end up. And so every day of their life, they live in constant fear because they're an orphan. There's no provision. There's no protection. There's no assurance. It's just fear. And what does Paul say? But you have not received a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received, believer, a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. You are not to fear anymore. You're not under the law. You're under grace. In adoption, you have a new father now. You are the co-heir of Christ. All that is his is yours. Your old life before adoption has been wiped out. All debts have been canceled. You're regarded as a new person. 
Your past has nothing to do with who you are today. And in the eyes of the righteous judge of heaven and earth in his courtroom, not only did God, the righteous judge, declare you not guilty and justified, he also declared you adopted Amen. into his family. So take that illustration and run it out. Think of how it pertains to your salvation. Take that same orphan. Live their whole life in fear. But one day, one day someone comes along. And when you really start getting deep into this, friends, it brings the doctrine of adoption to light and it brings it to a whole new level. When you realize that in adoption, the child doesn't choose the parent. But the parent chooses the child. Amen. Everything in adoption is dependent upon the heart of the parents. The parent has to make the first move. The parent has to choose the child. And it's even more glorious when you begin to think of the great length of love the parents will go through in order for the adoption to be complete. They will travel the globe. They will search orphanage after orphanage in order to find that one child that they want to bring into their home. And regardless of who the child is, regardless of what family they may have been born into, what background they may have come out of, how clean or how dirty they may be, what abuse they may have endured, what addiction they may have been born with, or what special need may have caused them to be cast out, the parents are inclined to them. And the parent looks at the child and says, you are mine. This morning when the service was over, a man walked out of the door. And this is what he said to me. He said, Pastor, I'm adopted. And he said, when I was adopted in the fourth grade, I went to school. I was so happy because I'd been adopted into a family. And everybody at the school, they made fun of me. They said, you're adopted. You're adopted. You don't know your dad. You don't know your mom. And he said, I went home with my head down. And my adoptive father said, what's wrong? He said, everybody at school made fun of me that I'm adopted. And they said, I don't even know who my daddy is, who my mama is. And he said, and my dad looked at me and said, don't listen to them. You're mine. Yeah. That child at night that, that lays down every night. In fear because they don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. Imagine that first night in their new home. They pull up to a supper table, and there's a place designated for them. They go get a shower, and they're clean, and they lay down in a bed, and they know there's nobody that's going to take me out of this home tomorrow. They don't fear anymore. Instead, they are overcome with a sense of grace. What have they done to deserve this? They have done nothing. They didn't deserve it at all. They didn't earn it. Yet there they are, a legal son and daughter, a legal co-heir, just like the children who are naturally born, just like the child that can say, Abba, Father, just like the child that can say, Daddy, my daddy. So the adopted son or daughter with Christ can cry out in the same way that he cried out in the Garden of Gethsemane. Abba, Father. And just like me and Caleb and Justin were talking about the other day, 
Jesus cried out, Abba, Father, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and his cries were ignored in order that yours might be heard. Amen. What a beautiful concept this is, friends. When we realize that the Father's heart was inclined to us, there's nowhere on this globe that God would not go to find you. He'll go into the darkest alleyway. He'll go to the furthest highway. He'll go down into some gully behind some hedge in order to make the gospel known to you. And when the gospel is preached, he will invite you to come and to be justified and to be regenerated and to be sanctified and blessed be unto God. He will adopt you into his family. And he'll say, you have a seat at my table forever. And you don't ever have to worry about anybody ever casting you out because this is now where you belong. I'm your daddy now. Amen. Yeah. I think about it last night. Me and little June, we went on a mission trip yesterday. We got back here to the church, and a van was out there, and I had to take the van up here to the gas station to fill it up. And so June, she hadn't seen me all day. And so she wanted to ride in that van. So she hops up in the 15-passenger van. I put her in the passenger seat. I say, we got to get gas to go drop it off. And this is what she said to me. When we get to the store, can I get a piece of candy? I was aggravated. I was tired. I was ready to go home. I said, no, June, you cannot have a piece of candy. We're not going in the store. Don't even ask. And I'll be honest, I wasn't very nice to her. We got to the gas station. I put my card in the reader, and it said, you must go inside. <laughs> I was even more aggravated that I had to walk inside. So, of course, June... Taking the opportunity, she slips on her shoes and she walks in, batting her little blue eyes at me the whole way in. <laughs> Poked her lip out and she said, please, Daddy, get me a piece of candy. I said, June, I told you outside, I'm not getting you a piece of candy. The answer is no. I stepped up and I put the card in the reader and I said, this is how much gas I want. And the guy looked out the door and he said, is that your van? And I said, no, sir, it's a church, it's a van that we rented for the church. I've been on mission trip all day. Oh. Well, how awesome is that? So he's just kind of standing there talking to me. I keep looking down here at June, and she's looking up at me, and I'm looking down at her, and she's got that lip poked out. And I looked at her again one more time. I said, June, no. I grabbed her by the hand, and just as we're walking out the door, that cashier. Amen. <laughs> that cashier looked at her. He said, you want a Twix bar? <laughs> June's eyes lit up. And she said, yes, sir, I do. And he gave her that Twix bar. And as we walked out of that double door, that gas station, you know what June did? She looked at me and she pointed straight up to heaven. <laughs> and here's what it reminded me of. Here's what it reminded me of. Earthly fathers, we'll let you down. We'll let you down. But our heavenly father never will. Our Heavenly Father is a good, good Father. Amen. Now, I'm going to close with this. I'm going to run past this one. We'll probably come back to it. There's an inner testimony. That's number three. The adopted son or daughter, there's an inner testimony. He's doing something in your life. They're the fruits of the Spirit. Are seen in the life of the believer. If you have no fruits of the Spirit, there's no goodness, no peace, no patience, no kindness, no gentleness, no self-control, no love. You need to pray. 
and ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart to determine if you're in Christ. There's an inner testimony. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are sons of God. That's what it says. But there's a fourth thing that the adopted son or daughter has, and that's this, a glorious inheritance. A glorious inheritance. What does he say? And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Can I say this to you, dear friend? Amen. Heaven awaits. Amen. All that is guaranteed to Christ. Everything that awaits Christ, all the Father has given to Christ is ours. Friends, you do not have to fear. You do not have to fret. You don't have to be filled with worry or anxiety of what awaits you in the future. There is laid up for you a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award you on that day and not only to you, but all who have loved his appearing. And how do we know that's true? It's because the Lord Jesus told us in John 14, 1 through 6, let not your hearts be troubled. Well, go back to that spirit of slavery. And go back to not knowing where you stand. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus promised us that he's going to prepare a place. And there's coming a day in the Father's time when the father will say, son, the time is now. And the blessed son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, will stand up from the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. And with the shout of the archangel and the trumpet of God, the Lord Jesus Christ will step through time and will call forth his children. And there we will be with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Everything that he has prepared for us will be ours on that day. Amen. Because we have a glorious inheritance. Amen. Well, how do I know that I can actually have it? What's the way to obtain it? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And friends, this glorious inheritance is yours if you're an adopted son or daughter of God. And so the question is, have you ever been adopted into Christ's family? If you have, glory of glory, you're a son or daughter of God. Live like it. Cling to it. Abide in it, enjoy it, and know what awaits in the future. But if you're not, there's always an invitation to come to Christ. Brother Caleb's going to come and lead us in a time of invitation. And with head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to just ask you, have you ever been saved 
Have you ever been born again? Have you ever given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, friends, here's the truth. Some of you have been running for a really long time. And some of you right now, you're living in fear. Living in fear. Trying to live up to a righteousness that you can never obtain. But today, God the Father wants you to be at rest. And so the Holy Spirit has searched the globe and he's entered into this room. And right now, he might be calling your name and saying, today is your adoption day. Today is the day that you legally become mine. Today is the day that I seal you with the seal of the Holy Spirit. Today is the day that I begin a good work in you that I will carry on to the day of completion. Today is the day of salvation. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation, I Surrender All, a wonderful old hymn. And we're going to ask you to make a bold move, a bold step of faith. Just step out in the aisle and come take me by the hand and say, Pastor, today I need to be saved. All those things you talked about, justification, regeneration, sanctification, and adoption, I want that as mine. So we're going to have the audience stand at this time. And if you need to be saved, you step out and you come down here and take me by the hand. What a glorious doctrine the doctrine of adoption is. As Brother Caleb sings, you sing with us. If you need to be saved this morning, you come. All to Jesus I surrender all to Him I free. Listen, if you are here today and you want to talk more about salvation, please don't hesitate uh, to just come to me at the end of the service and say, Pastor, I really need to talk about that. I didn't have the boldness to step out, but today I want to talk to you about being saved. I would love to come alongside of you. Listen, a few quick things for you. Uh, first of all, um, we need to have a called business meeting next Sunday night. We have to, anytime we have called conferences, we have to announce it one week in advance. So if you are a member of Flat Creek Baptist Church and would like to hear more about the remodeling and redoing of the church foyer or the children's department downstairs, um, there's going to be a meeting next Sunday night at 5 p.m. in the sanctuary. So please come to that meeting. You'll be able to ask questions, 
voice any concerns or whatever and have a vote next Sunday night on that. So please come back for that. If you are visiting with us today, we are so grateful for you being here. Please don't forget to turn in that connections card with us. We really want to come alongside of you in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So please turn that connections card in so we can come alongside of you. And if you'd like to give to Flat Creek, you can give online at flatcreekchurch.net or you can always give in person on your way out the doors. What a great day has been today. Amen. 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 Yeah. Brother Caleb's going to close us with a word of prayer and we will see you on Wednesday night. God bless. Lord, for the day and the time of worship we've had. Lord, thank you for uh, this message. What a encouraging thing it is to those of us who have already been adopted into your family. Lord, to leave encouraged uh, and just uplifted, Lord, to remember who we are in you and only in you. Lord, I pray, as Pastor Zach did earlier, if there are any of those in this room who have not uh, decided to come to you, Lord, I pray they find him on the way out the door or find somebody uh, who knows how to help them make that decision so that they can leave and be a part of the family with the rest of us. Lord, we love you. Be with us as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name, amen. so much for joining us on the Sunday stream here at Flat Creek Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia. I am Pastor Zach Williams and it is a great honor to have you join us through our online platform. It is our belief here at Flat Creek Baptist that you should be connected to a local congregation. And so if you are in the Gainesville, Georgia area, we want to encourage you to come out and be a part of what God is doing in our midst. There's nothing like being connected to a local body of believers. However, if you are tuning in today and you are not from the Gainesville, Georgia area and you're tuning in from some other place on earth, what we're gonna encourage you to do is get attached to a local body of believers under good, sound, biblical, doctrinal preaching so that you can be encouraged in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and allow Flat Creek Baptist and our Sunday stream to just be a supplement to what God is doing in your life. Friends, I thank you so much once again for joining us. God bless you. And for more information, you can visit our website, flatcreekchurch.net.
Crawford is serving up the best in Southern Gospel during your lunch hour on 97.5 Glory FM. When you're on your knees daily for a lost son or daughter when you're sitting by a deathbed And your faith begins to falter As you pour out your sorrow 
97.5 Glory FM, North Georgia's Southern Gospel Music Station. Seven Five Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. 